Welcome to Red Hill Stories, discussions about faith, life, and Jesus. On this week's episode, Ashley Hall sits down with the wonderful Cynthia Scott to discuss just how Jesus changed her life, but also God's faithfulness in all circumstances and how he will show himself strong even at times when we are weak. Just as a reminder, if this is your first time listening to Red Hill Stories, please go on over to iTunes or Spotify and hit that subscribe button. And if you don't mind, go to your favorite social media platform and please share this episode and the others from previous seasons just to help get the word out. But most importantly, so that the message of Jesus and how he changes people's lives can be heard by anyone. Thank you, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Why don't you just kind of introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are today, just your your general introduction of who you are, what you do, Preston, all that kind of good stuff. My name's Cynthia Scott. I am married to my beloved Preston Scott. Uh, we just celebrated our 17th wedding anniversary, already making plans for our 20th anniversary trip. <laughs> nice. Yeah, looking forward. Um, can you tell, can you tell me where you're going? Yes. Um, I have a great love of pigs. Oh, that's a segue. And, (laughs) um, so he's going to take me to the Bahamas to go where the swimming pigs are in the islands. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Is that like not the strangest wedding anniversary plan I've ever heard. No, like he comes up with these amazing things. Like for, for my seventh, for our 17th, he took me to go swim with the manatees and it was amazing. So because they're the pigs of the sea, pretty much. Yep. That is so romantic. And they nod on my arm and they were awesome. It was a great experience. (laughs) We're already, uh, we're already talking about the pigs. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So you're Cynthia, your husband is Preston Scott. You've been married for 17 years. Can you talk a little bit about your roles in the church and your, your history with Red Hills Church, just so that people know, you know, your background and, and how important you guys have been to this church? We, we love Red Hills. Um, We were trying to figure out the other day. We think we came maybe about a year into it, its existence when it was at the Young Actors Theater. Um, we knew Chad and Christy, and we had run into them, and they told us about it and decided, well, hey, let's let's go check it out. And then we heard Marshall teach and went, whoa. <laughs> and we've been there ever since. So um, Preston serves as a trustee at the church and I am the secretary. Um, so I get to take minutes of meetings. So can you explain what a trustee is? They're like, um, the people who talks with Marshall and, um, helps to make decisions about the church, um, utilizing the bylaws and things like that. Wait, we have bylaws? (laughs) (laughs) We do. I I know we do. (laughs) But I didn't exactly know what a trustee was. So I'm also trying to give our our listeners an idea of of what all this means. So whenever once a quarter, um, Pastor Marshall does a family update, he talks about how the board of trustees um, and the elders, maybe. Are are you and Preston also considered elders at the church? They're similar. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. So there's 
there's people alongside you and Preston that have just been at the church for a long time. Marshall and Sarah, Christy and Chad, um, trust you very much to, um, handle these kinds of tough conversations, um, deal with the the finances, uh, financial decisions. So lots of wisdom and, um, discernment I'm imagining comes along with that position as a trustee. And that's the hope. Yes. Yes. Well, we are so thankful <laughs> for all of the years and all of the wisdom and service that you've given us at Red Hills. And, um, can you talk a little bit more about your role as you said, secretary? Yes. And that's, that's something, um, new I have going to have the first meeting coming up. Um, initially, um, the way it was set up, um, we had just couples that were serving and then to, um, align with exactly what the bylaws, um, stated were necessary. We've transitioned into, um, some different ways. So that's new starting this year. That's exciting. That Thank just you means for... I'm going to use my little fingers on my computer and take notes. <laughs> <laughs> your little fingers with your little master's degree. <laughs> we'll talk about that too. Cynthia, you are just a wealth of knowledge and wisdom. Um, so can you, all right, so we've talked about um, Preston. Can you talk about um, children? Yes. Um, uh, we have five together. Uh, we are... Redemption people, both of us in second marriages. So I have two biological children and he has three. And together um, we love each other and feel like we've been together forever. So at church, um, the regulars that people would see at church with us are Jameson and Jordan and Grant. And um, our other two, um, we don't see as much. Trey lives in Jacksonville right now. And, um, and then Courtney, um, lives in different locations. So we have, we have at least three of our boys and our daughter-in-law, Emily, there with us each Sunday, which we absolutely love. That's wonderful. You are all such an important family in the church. We, we just love you all so much. Um, you're so warm and you're just like one of the strong, strong families in our church. And we just thank you for who you are and everything that you've done. So thank you. Yes. Very sweet. (laughs) All right. So do you want to talk a little bit about your career, your, your background and that kind of side of your life? Sure. Um, I'm in my third career now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, in my early life, I was all about music. Um, went to college at Oral Roberts University majored in vocal performance and um, had piano as my secondary instrument. And after graduating with a vocal performance degree, realized I couldn't make any money with that degree. Um, I did intend to go and get a master's, but um, that got put on hold. And so I went into the business world and I ended up working in human resources for quite a while and it paid the bills. Um, It wasn't something that I adored, but it was something that I was competent at um, and made the best of it. And then um, eventually, when I had some unexpected life changes, I did go back to school at that point and got my master's in education 
At that time, I was a single mom and really wanted something that I could be there for my babies, um, Mm -hmm. be on their schedule. And so with the master's in education, um, I did take another 40 hours toward um, music education as well and thought, well, I'm going to get a teaching job as a music teacher. Mm -hmm. And then more unexpected things happened. I ended up in (laughs) Tallahassee. Um, One, there weren't any music jobs at the time. Mm. Um, At that time, there were like overcrowding of teachers Mm. in the area. Um, And so one of the courses I took when I worked on my master's degree was called Reading in the Content Area. Mm. And it captured me. And I just had this thought as I was in that class, if I could teach individuals to read, it would be a game changer for anyone who didn't know how to read. Mm -hmm. And so literacy, even though music is all I had ever done and loved, um, literacy became a passion Mm -hmm. and a God thing for me. And so I ended up then going into teaching literacy English language arts primarily, spent many years in the K-12 environment um, up until recently um, when I started teaching literacy to adults Um, and then went back to school one more time, (laughs) um, this time at Florida State and got a specialist degree in curriculum and instruction and um, had a focus on autism. So having, I was looking for a well-rounded way of approaching students of all types with all needs. Mm -hmm. So that's amazing. And so your current employment is. So my current employment is at Tallahassee community college working in conjunction with the department of corrections. And I have created, um, a program. It's a 16 week course and it's like an intensive reading course packed into 16 weeks and basically taking them through all of the benchmarks K-12, um, what you would get in school. So um, working with inmates, you know, a lot of them stopped learning at a very young age, either because of trauma in their lives, um, not being at school, various things. Um, even if they were at school, they they probably weren't learning a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, And a lot of them dropped out um, either because they got into trouble or because they needed to get a job to help support their family, you know, many, many reasons. So um, I've I've already taught one cohort and it was amazing. Literally Mm. um, within one class, the range of their abilities was from kindergarten to like 10th grade. Wow. Yeah. So the course is designed to fill all those holes um, and to get them on their way to being able to be successful, either to complete a GED or to get into a vocational course and have hope and a purpose for when they get out and become returning citizens and have a possibility of being successful. That is so amazing. Thank you so much for sharing about your career background, because I think it's, it's so amazing to hear, you know, we see people on Sundays, right. (laughs) And then maybe it's small group, but to, to learn about what everyone's doing 
Monday through Friday, you know, out in the world, in the workforce or, you know, um, different places that people are in the city. It's, I, I think that, um, it's, it's just extremely important to have Christians working in all areas of our city and just what an impact you've had on, on such a vulnerable population and such a hurting population. Um, working with those inmates, I just can't imagine the opportunities to, to share the love of Christ, you know, just because of who you are. So thank you. It's, it's a wonderful opportunity for sure. It's, you know, they're the little notes that they write to me, thanking me. Um, it's like they turn into, they turn into little boys again. Some of them when they're in a school setting, you know, like, thank you teacher so much. Wow. Kind of thing. So yeah, it's very rewarding. Okay, well, that was our, our introduction of <laughs> to who you are. Now we have to get to the 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 something that few people know about you. Um, Cynthia, what's what's something that that most people on a Sunday would just never guess about you? Probably how much I love pigs. <laughs> um Pigs, people. Pigs. Let's hear it. Why? Why pigs? Why do you love pigs so much? Please enlighten us. Yeah. Well, I was raised on a farm in Ohio, and um, pigs were the main things that um, my my papa raised, and we had three thousand pigs. Whoa. Um, he farmed about fifteen hundred acres, so a lot of land as well. We had about 40 head of cattle. We had sheep. Um, but pigs are what I loved. Um, I always had pet pigs. I showed pigs at the county fair. Oh. Um, I just think they're adorable. <laughs> <laughs> so are you a little bit offended when the Bible says, don't yes. bring your pearls to the swine? Yes, they don't like that. And I don't <laughs> like the one about when they put, cast all the demons into the pigs and, the and pig- they run off the cliff. I'm like, of all animals, you select the pigs. Yeah. I am so sorry that yeah. I had to be in the Bible. <laughs> it's your little beef with God. Like when you get to heaven, come on, Jesus, why did why did you have to pigs? pick on pigs so much? Okay. And please explain to our our listeners here about Professor pig wait is that the name yeah professor pickles pig professor pickles pig i'm looking at it right now this is a book yes um several years ago i told preston that um i would love to write children's books and he of course um took what i said and ran with it like he does (laughs) And without me knowing, went through some online entity and interviewed illustrators from around the world, narrowed it down to three. I forget one was from Israel. Um, can't remember what the other country was, but one was the United Kingdom. And he ultimately picked the illustrator from the United Kingdom. And without telling her, he basically described me to her and said that this is what I want in the form of a pig. <laughs> and she created Professor Pickles A Pig. <laughs> and here's the really, 
really amazing thing. First of all, he surprised me at Christmas and had it framed, oh the illustration goodness. of her. And I, of course, cried because <laughs> I knew it was me. Um, and what's really fun, he had a giant fat head made of it as well, of Professor Pickles. Oh, wait. Oh, I had wow. it in my office at school. And when my students saw it, they said, Miss Scott, that's you. <laughs> so this illustrator is just amazing. Um, we have our first book completed, working on the possibility of a publisher deciding if we want to self-publish or try to get um, another publisher. But I love rhyme. And when the kids were little, well, we just, we talked in rhymes and <laughs> I always was a big proponent of vocabulary, increasing the kids' vocabulary. I didn't, didn't use baby words with them. I always used grown up words. And, um, so my boys always had, you know, extensive vocabulary at a very young age. And so I wanted to put that into a book. And so I did a combination of that in this in this first book where I'm teaching vocabulary words and um, putting it in syllabic verse so that students, students, children um, can practice counting syllables and can rhyme and learn about God um, because all of Professor Pickle's lessons are based upon God's principles. Oh, wow. So this first book... Um, geared toward Valentine's Day is from 1 Corinthians 13. That is so fantastic. Thank you. I'm looking at the book right now, and I'm looking at Professor Pickles. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. So that's another dream yes. goal to work toward. Yes. All right, so let's uh, kind of go backwards, start from the beginning. Um, we'll kind of get into the the meat of our time together tonight. So, um, Cynthia, what is your story? I was raised in a godly home. Uh, my parents were the ones who went to church all the time. They were the first ones there, the last to leave. They were on every committee. They were, um, you know, the, the stalwarts, I guess you would say in the church as were my grandparents. However, um, in the liturgical church in which I was raised, I never really learned about salvation hmm. or lordship. I knew a lot about the fear of the Lord hmm. and that you just honored God hmm. and you honored your parents. And so when I went to ORU in Tulsa, Oklahoma was really the first that I learned about salvation and lordship. Hmm. And that was the beginning of a, an intimate relationship with Jesus um, oh. at that point in my life. And that was college. That was college. At, at that point. So um, what, do you have any siblings? I do. I have a brother who is 15 months older than me. And then a surprise little sister who came 14 years after me. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So when I, my Freshman year of college was her kindergarten year in school. Oh, wow. That's yep. such a neat dynamic. Yeah. We didn't really know each other much um, until adulthood. Okay. And now it's lovely getting to be with her. Yeah. And being raised on a farm, um, I mean, that is just such a unique 
experience that you were describing with the thousands of acres and yes, thousands I'm, of pigs. Yeah. I know it all makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> the pig, the love for pigs, it all makes sense now. One more thing about pigs. Yes. You know, I'm allergic to almost everything in this world, but I'm not allergic to pigs. And it's because they don't have fur or dander. There it is. They love you too. Yeah. <laughs> that is so awesome. Yep. Um, so what was um, your relationship with your mom and dad like? It was great. Still is. Um, love them with all my heart. They're precious. Um, very, very, very hardworking. Um, my dad was raised in a godly home. My mother was not. and. I'm, I'm in awe when I think about my mother's upbringing and the horrible situation in which she found herself and yet was such a wonderful, loving mother mm. to me. Um, she's, she just set the example for me of how to love your children. And my papa, same thing. Just, I couldn't ask for a better parent. So blessed. And... Having my grandparents right up the road, my granny was like a second mom to me. And so I was blessed to have an extra, an extra set of hands that loved me. She actually saved my life when I was an infant. Really? I, yeah, I was born with um, terrible asthma, had asthma um, early on, and I was turning blue. Oh, my goodness. And my granny... I guess took me down to the cool basement and gave me mouth to mouth and got me breathing again. Wow. So I always had a very close bond with her. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Wow. So just really good memories of your childhood then? Tons. Tons of good memories. That's good. Yeah, we did. We just did everything as a family because we had to. Mm-hmm. You know, we had chores that we had to get done and Um, My mother didn't work outside of the home. There was too much work to do on the farm. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You were talking about your early experience in church was just more of um, a fear of the Lord and honoring um, relationship with the Lord and with your parents. Um, so, um, as you grew older, um, can you, can you talk a little bit more about how that changed? Um, you said it didn't really, um, turn into a relationship with Jesus, um, really until you, um, went to university. So can you talk about, about how that changed? Yes. Um, that was, when I really started um, digging in to the Bible, reading God's Word, um, getting a heart to minister to others, to share Jesus with others, um, yeah, I mean, it was for me. It was it was a digging in time, and that continued. It's. Especially when I found myself um, in a situation where my former spouse let me know he was moving in another direction. Um, Then I was at a place where (laughs) 
every breath, I relied on Jesus because I suddenly, someone who didn't believe in divorce, suddenly found myself in a position where I, I went to an attorney and said, I want you to do whatever you can do to not let this divorce happen. Hmm. Even though he had been unfaithful to me, um, caring for my two babies was of utmost importance, and I did not want them to be a statistic. And I hmm. said, my children will not be from a broken home. And the attorney looked at me and said, sorry, that's not how it works. If hmm. someone wants out, they're out. And so I had to come to grips with the fact that it didn't matter if I had served Jesus the best that I could. I had no control of the situation. And so that was a tough lesson because mm-hmm. I thought if you honored God and did the right things, made good choices, that life would turn out like other families that I had seen that were happy. Mm-hmm. Um, but that wasn't the case. And so. Yeah, at that point, I went much, much deeper in my relationship with Christ because I was so broken. Hmm. I'm really sorry that that happened. You know, big picture, obviously, now, um, God had his hand on me and on my two precious boys. They were only two and five at the time. And I couldn't have begun to have seen the redemption that he had waiting for us in the form of Preston. Um, but it's, it's amazing, the thread, how he weaves our lives together with this very fine thread. And if we trust him and love him with all our might, he's got us. Hmm. Doesn't mean it's not going to hurt sometimes because boy, did I hurt. But um, he's there every second. (laughs) That's amazing. So I think it's just um, amazing to hear you. You described you and Preston as we're redemptive people. So uh, (laughs) I love that. Instead of saying um, we're, I mean, you can say you're a blended family, right? But I think it's, or you could say, oh, yeah, we're we're divorcees. This is our second marriage, but I've never heard one describe someone describe their, their family unit as we're redemptive people. That is, that's incredible. I love that. And I'm going to use that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so can you talk about, um, so the divorce happened in Ohio then? I was actually, uh, we were living in Georgia at the time. Okay. So what brought you, um, from the North to the South? That would be Preston. Okay. (laughs) So so, tell us about how all that happened. Yeah, and that's part of the fine thread that's just amazing. Um, When when I found myself single with two babies, I landed back on the farm. My parents took us in and um, loved on us. And that's when I went back to school. And so I... I dove into that just trying to get refocused on something and having built-in babysitters for my boys was perfect because it allowed me to do that and it allowed them to be an environment that was full of love mm. and 
It's interesting. They're so young. They were so young at the time. They really don't remember life before Ohio with my family, Mm -hmm. which is lovely because I think that's prevented them from having a lot of, a lot of the baggage that I think comes for children who do have memories of a broken home Mm -hmm. and their memories mostly start in Ohio. They started with grandma and grandpa. That's wonderful. (laughs) Yeah. And so then, um, what I did was I was still believing for a miracle. I sent letters out to everybody that was on my Christmas list saying, please pray Mm. because I'm believing for a miracle in this. I was willing to forgive him. Um, and I wanted, I wanted my family to be whole. And, um, one of the people on my Christmas list was Preston. Oh, wow. And so he, um, he called me to pray with me and we hadn't talked in years, literally years, but the way I knew him (laughs) was, my former spouse, after we left Tulsa, we were in Tallahassee where he was attending Florida State working on his master's. We attended the same church where Preston was on staff. I ended up working at that same church as Preston's assistant. So we were friends wow. from way, way back when. <laughs> and that's why he and his family were on my mailing list yeah. um, because we were such good friends back then. Well, he called and prayed with me one time, and then he knew of a a date coming up that I had to go before the judge, and he called me then as well mm. and prayed with me, and then he called another time. I don't know how many times we had talked on the phone before he finally said to me, by the way, I've been going through the same thing. Um, his wife had we use the term discarded, (laughs) discarded him as well. Mm. And, um, he found himself in the same situation. And so our friendship just continued, um, for quite some time. And over a period of time, it was kind of one of these epiphanies. I remember telling my little sister one time, I said, I need someone just like Preston Scott. (laughs) Because I had written a petition out to God of exactly what I desired for my boys. Mm -hmm. And it was always focused on my babies. Mm -hmm. I wanted a man of God that would help raise them to be mighty men of valor. And um, and it turned out to be him. Wow. Not just someone (laughs) like him, but him. him. (laughs) And so um, at the time he worked three jobs and he only had a very short window of time where he was available. So literally, um, we, he flew me down from Ohio. We had been on just a couple dates. <laughs> he flew me down. We got married. I flew back to Ohio and, um, didn't move down for another six months because I didn't want to move the boys in the middle of, um, their school year. And I was finishing up my thesis work on my master's. So after that, he and two of the kids came up. Jameson was out of was living out of country at the time. Um, but Jordan and Courtney came up with them and they moved us down and we became a merged family at that wow. point. 
I got chills when you said that Preston called you the day of your court date. It's like he he was already almost a spiritual leader in your life at that point as that friendship was starting to rekindle. I would love to hear his side of the story and how what he was thinking during all of that time. Yeah, we just had um we just had a great fondness for one another as friends all those all those years ago. Um our families were friends. Mm-hmm. You know, so the redemption part to think that I knew Jameson when he was a little boy. Right. You know, right. and he remembers me. I'm always wanting to play with his pokey hair. That's his that's his memory of me from when he was little. So <laughs> just part of, you know, the fact that we felt like we had a combined 40 years of marriage when our marriages were taken from us. Wow. And to be able to go back as many years as we go back, having been co-workers and friends, that's part of the redemption that we feel that mm. That wasn't just all wasted time. Right, right. That friendship was started and God knew, <laughs> God knew back then that a couple decades later, mm. we would need each other. Man. And that God used him to um, bless me and my babies. And we talk about even beyond that, that Grant went to school in convergence journalism because of Preston's influence. Wow. He's now working with Preston at the radio station. And Trey has this great love of sports. And when Preston and I um, first started dating long distance and it was getting more serious, he sent a video of himself doing sports different sports things and he made it funny like (laughs) throwing with the wrong hand and acting like he couldn't do anything and then finally at the end of the video he was like oh wrong hand and then showed all of his skills as an athlete (laughs) and sent that for my boys and my boys were like yes yes (laughs) because they love sports so much and so that was Preston's audition to be their dad and he passed with flying colors (laughs) oh my goodness Preston, get out of here. You're amazing. (laughs) Golly. Oh, man. Okay, so I'm just thinking about the testimony that, that you have for single moms out there, people who are experiencing that, uh, the devastation that you must have felt, um, that you and Preston both have felt, um, in your lives when a marriage that you were planning on um, being lifelong was suddenly taken from you. Um, I can imagine that that must have felt, um, very, very hopeless or what do I do? Where do I go? And, um, can you, can you speak to that a little bit? Um, there's, there's almost, um, an epidemic of, of single motherhood in our culture and our society. Um, I know that there's single dads out there too. I don't mean to leave them out, but can you just um, speak, speak to that a little bit? Um, what should a single mother or a single father do um, if they find themselves in that situation? 
The scripture that we go to, went to, and still go to all the time is Romans 8, 28. All things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. We both love the Lord. We're called to do his will. And so some of the stuff that fits into the all things category is, (laughs) (laughs) but God uses it. Mm. Um, I guess I would say just never lose hope. Knowing that as long as you are serving God, trusting him, loving him, obeying his word, he's not going to leave you nor forsake you. Mm. And your story may not end like my story, but it doesn't have to. Mm -hmm. Because if you are in God's hands, wherever he has you, you'll find contentment Mm. and joy there because if you're doing what he's called you to, that's right. It'll be a, it'll be a beautiful place. That's really good. So even if it doesn't end up, even if there is not a a remarriage or a second marriage, even if it doesn't turn out to be, you know, your second Prince Charming, <laughs> um, God promises that He's going to be with us, that He'll never leave us or forsake us. That nothing can separate us from the love of Christ, even divorce, <laughs> even these terrible hardships that so many people experience. So thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. And for especially for talking about the contentment, I think um, there's a severe lack of contentment in our culture, too. Um, it seems like we're always chasing the next thing, the biggest, the next biggest thing, bigger, better, faster, um, more perfection, this more perfection, that, and life is not perfect and it was never meant to be. And relationships are hard and messy and marriage is hard and messy, whether or not you're a Christian. (laughs) Um, and so I like that you, you mentioned contentment because we can find our joy and our fulfillment in Christ alone. We can find our identity in Christ alone. We don't have to be married. We don't have to have children. We don't even have to have our career, our dream job. We don't even have to have our health, but we have Christ and we can learn to be satisfied in him. Yeah. I will say one thing. You said marriage is hard. And my marriage with Preston has not been hard. <laughs> it's it's just so delightful to just just be. Wow. It's and that's that's why we're redemptive people. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I might need to spend a little more time with you on that one. <laughs> some uh, some mentorship underway, please. Some discipleship. <laughs> That's so wonderful. I love that. I love that. Um, Okay, so let's see. 
we cover everything? What's, yeah, I think we did. Um, it just, your story is just so powerful, Cynthia. You know, I just, I just pray that, um, so many people hear this and, and know that based on your testimony that God is good and that there's always hope no matter how dark of a season it may be. Um, and I just love how you, you never gave up on your first marriage, even until the very end, you, you, you wanted to forgive and move on. And I mean, that in itself is an extreme, uh, the extreme power of Christ (laughs) to be able to forgive in that way. And, um, but God had other things and better things planned for you that you never could have even dreamed of. It's true. Yeah. I couldn't have, I couldn't have dreamt of, um, being treated the way I'm treated by my husband being valued. And he's always, always trying to find a way to be a blessing to me from reading all the ridiculous small writing on boxes at the store for all my weirdo (laughs) things that I have to eat (laughs) to thinking three years in advance, I need to make a reservation so she can swim with the pigs on our 20th wedding anniversary. (laughs) He really does dote on you. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's wonderful. And, and it's just because it's because he loves Jesus and he has a servant's heart. And I really think for marriages, um, the mentorship that you're talking about, which we may do another class sometime. We did one a few years back at Red Hills um, with my schedule going home to my parents every other month. Right now doesn't really allow for us to do that, but I think we'd like to do another marriage group. Um, and focusing on being a servant, just mm. serving one another. Mm. I think serving and communicating and putting Jesus first, you get those three things right, you should have a solid marriage. Everything just kind of falls into place. It does. That's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. Well, we can definitely see the evidence of Christ through you and Preston and your family. I, I remember... Anytime one of your boys comes up and hugs you at church, I just stare and long for that day. Like that is the goal right there for your adult children to want to be with you and want to have a relationship with you and want to hug their mama. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. When those three big boys walk in, it's like, yes, there's my babies. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm going to call you in about, uh, 11 years and we'll talk about Stanley. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's awesome. Cynthia, thank you so much. You, you guys are such an inspiration. And, um, I like how you said, you know, it's, it's Preston's love for Jesus that makes him a good husband. And it's your love for Jesus that makes you a good wife. You know, I remember I've been through times in my life and in my marriage where I've had these breakdowns and, and said, you know, I'm just not a good wife. I'm just not a good mom. I'm just, I'm just point blank, not a good person. <laughs> and then realizing, well, th- that's true. That's actually true because I am nothing without Christ. There's nothing good in me. 
except for the love of Christ and his work through me that can can help me be a better wife, help me be a better mom. That's and right. I, I love that, that it's it's nothing, not by works that we can boast, but because of his grace. That's right. Yeah. Um, any any other words of wisdom um, for people who've experienced divorce or have blended families? How how should the sh- the church respond to single mothers, single fathers? <laughs> Love them. <laughs> Love them. I remember for me, one of the worst possible things to do was have to fill out paperwork and check the box that says divorced. I felt so much shame in that, even though it wasn't it wasn't my decision. Mm-hmm. It. I hated it. And realizing that there are all kinds of people who find themselves in horrible situations, not of their own choosing. And yeah, just love them. I would say too, the other thing that came to my mind is one of the things that Preston and I made sure of before committing to a relationship with one another is that we were whole in Christ. He always said that he, he decided when he was, um, found himself going through a divorce was that he was going to be the best single father, single Mm -hmm. dad that he could possibly be. He had absolutely no interest in finding another relationship. Mm. He was just going to focus on being whole and loving his children. I wanted a relationship because I wanted my boys to have a daddy in their lives every day. Um, But I also knew I needed to be whole first. Mm. And so I would say that's really, really important. If you've been through a divorce, don't look for another person to fill that hole. It's good. It's got to be filled with Christ first because you can't start a new relationship or go into a marriage expecting that person to fulfill your needs mm-hmm. when you're already a broken person. Right. So right. get well with Christ first. <laughs> right. Make sure that you're whole before diving in to something else. Where do you feel that God is leading you from here? What's what's on the horizon for you? Um, I'm going to be Grant and Emily's little ones. Oh, that's so exciting. <laughs> yep. I love um, it. So, you know, big, big deal is picking out what my grandma name is going to be. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's not going to be Professor Pickles. <laughs> no, don't think we'll go with that. Um, still going home to Ohio every other month to love on my parents. So blessed to be able to do that and to help them. Um, definitely work on more Pickles books and continue with my program, teaching literacy skills to prisoners and Believing it will be a game changer for them in their lives. Try to be healthy and be a good wife to my husband, good mom to our kids, and a servant at Red Hills. That's wonderful. Can you talk a little bit about what it's like to care for your 
parents at this time? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just, I don't know what to say other than I'm just so blessed to get to be with them. My daddy this past week looked at me and said, I never dreamed I'd get to spend this time with you. Oh, wow. Because I was 17 when I left for college and I was back for the three years um, before I married Preston and moved away again. So I was in Ohio for 20 years of my life. Right. And I had always been in the classroom and just didn't have, have the ability to go. So being able to go now and be with them, they look forward to me being there and they always say, I don't know how we're going to make it without you. They do, of course. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's just nothing but a blessing. Every part of it. So you live in Tallahassee one month. You go to Ohio, you live there for one month, and you teach virtually even when you're in Ohio. You continue to work even if you're up in Ohio helping I do. your parents. And I'm actually right. there just two weeks out of the month. Oh, okay. So I go every other month and I'm there for two weeks in, in uh, the month that I go. I gotcha. Yeah. So yes, a lot I keep of teaching. Traveling and a lot of hard work that you're doing and I'm sure they appreciate it so much. They do. It's worth it. That's amazing. Yeah. Only get one set of parents. That's right. <laughs> I bet you're such a blessing to them. They it's, say I am, which is lovely. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really like you have two homes. Mm-hmm. That's great. I love that. Well, thank you, Cynthia, for this time. I learned so much about you. <laughs> I had been waiting and waiting for this day for so long, and I knew I would learn even more amazing things about you than I already knew that you had just this, I don't know, you're just an anointed woman. You just, you've just always been so peaceful. There's just a, a radiance of peace about you. And it's just, man, this generation of, of women are thirsty for that. So thank you for, for being that vision of Christ for us and that we can look to you for mentorship and discipleship. And um, we love you. Thank you. And we look forward to many more years of getting to know you more and your family, growing family. It's just a blessing. So thank thank you, you. Ashley. Thank you for listening to this episode of Red Hill Stories. If you like this episode, please visit redhillschurch.com slash stories. And there you will find previous seasons and all of our episodes. If you liked this series, you may also want to check out our Red Hills Message Series podcast. You can find that on our website or on iTunes or Spotify. Be blessed.